Welcome to the Andy Staples Show. It's the best day of the week. It's Monday because Ari Wasserman is here. That's why it's the best. And we have big news from Ari later in the show. But first, we have to talk about my debut as a play caller. That's right. The Florida State coaches let me call plays at the spring game. And I it was much better than when I tried to be a referee at Georgia spring game a couple, couple years ago. I got to tell you, Ari. I can't tell you how much of an honor it is to be on your podcast usually, but now you're you're a legend, man. It's good to be on your on your podcast, coach. <laughs> well, I appreciate that. Yeah, I'm I'm ready for all the job offers to come rolling in because I got very lucky that some of the the players on my team made really good plays and didn't make mistakes and some of the players on the other team made a few mistakes because I I have gone back through the tape. And this is why I know now why they say I got to look at the tape because I have gone back through that tape and it is, there are some spots where I could have really messed up. Like for example, the first play call I made, I thought I was a genius. So I called a, a fire zone blitz on the first play. Cause I knew that, well, let's set a, set this up. So me and Andrea Adelson from ESPN are one team of guest coaches. The other team is Gene Deckerhoff, the voice of the Florida state Seminoles and Jeff Cameron, who hosts a radio show in Tallahassee. So we each get two series, basically. So each one of us is going to get an offensive series. Each one of us is going to get a defensive series. Me and Andrea's team against their team. And if anybody, you know, whoever scores the most wins, uh, three points for a turnover because it's offense versus defense. And we'll see what happens. So my first, I, I'm, I'm calling defense right out of the gate. I call a fire zone blitz. And they, I knew they were going to try to go deep on the first play. So I figured it'd be something slow developing. So my thinking is, okay, these are second and third team offensive linemen. They don't get to play together very much. They, they just, they're not familiar with each other. Maybe they don't communicate that well. And so hopefully I can get a free, free runner at the quarterback. And they snap the ball and I realize this is a max protection. They have a seven-man protection on, and I have five rushers. So if they pick this up, they are scoring a touchdown. But fortunately for me, the back went the wrong way, did not notice my nickel creeping up into the B-gap, and he got a, a just a straight shot at the quarterback, sacked him, loss of seven or eight, and we're off and running. I'm like, I'm a genius. And then I looked at that. I looked at it this morning. I'm like, oh, my God. I could have completely messed that up. I think that if you call a sack on your first defensive call as a coach and also hit a wheel route for a touchdown on offense, when you get the offensive play sheet, you're automatically a top five candidate for any opening in, in America, you know? Well, I, unfortunately I can't. So yes, we did. We hit a wheel route for a touchdown. That was, so I had the, the first series on defense and then Andrea called a series on offense and a series on defense. And then I called the last series on offense. That was the only one any of us scored on. We scored a touchdown to win the game at the very end. I'm running out on the field like a Super Bowl streaker, crazy person, hugging everybody. And I wanted to throw my play sheet up like Lane Kiffin does before the ball got thrown because he popped wide open. Like Kenny Dillingham, the offensive coordinator, is in my ear saying, it's a touchdown before the ball's even thrown. And I was just, I, I froze. I froze. I wanted to do that. But here's the thing. Do, do you know why I called the correct play that, that scored the touchdown? Why? Mackenzie Milton told us to. <laughs> well, Mackenzie Milton's been around the game a lot, but the first thing that I thought of 
when you said that uh, Kenny Dillingham saw it was a touchdown as the play developed or right as the play started was Lane Kiffin sheet throw. So I'm very disappointed that you didn't you didn't do that. But you know, I guess as a new coach and a, a person who's still earning his stripes as an offensive coordinator and a defensive coordinator, depending on which one you think you're better at, uh, <laughs> I can understand like waiting to to get stripes in the game before you acted that way. But you know, so you and Andrea um, are going to be the best one-two punch coaching uh, hires here oh, in the yeah. next year. Which one's offensive coordinator and which one's defensive coordinator? I I think I think she should be the offensive corner. She actually had the better series of play calls on offense than I did. She uh, she strung together some nice stuff. Like she had a she had a thing where she hit a screen, then she called a shot play that kind of got messed up, lost in translation. They tried to throw a bubble and it was incomplete. So in third and short. She runs a counter, it gains like 14 yards. And then, so we were both listening to Kenzie Milton. So here's, here's how that, that story goes. So before our period where we got to call plays, McKenzie comes over to us, and, and McKenzie and Andrea know each other pretty well. Andrea wrote an amazing story about his rehab when he was at UCF from this injury that you know we all saw. We all thought it was a career ender, but here he is competing for the starting job at Florida State as a grad transfer. And so... This is, I mean, listen, this guy is so smart. He looks at our call sheet. Now, we got a call sheet where we have 10 offensive plays and eight defensive calls on the other side. He looks at our offensive call sheet for about five seconds, immediately tells us which plays are the best plays, and then goes, if you hit a big play, run this one, and points at number seven, which on our play sheet is just called double move. We got we got the play descriptors that are like Madden play descriptors. This is not what FSU calls Did them. you have spider two Y banana on there? We did not, not a West Coast offense, very up tempo. So, so this play has a lot of has a few different options, but there's a tight end running a wheel. There's a there's a slot receiver running a double move. There's a there's an outside receiver running a bubble that's kind of your safety valve. And so when Andrea called it, the tight end blocked the bubble and the quarterback threw the bubble, but the guy just dropped it. So she goes counter. That works really well on third and short, and so we get a first down, and then we go tempo. They, they gave us three different options for tempo, and it, basically you say a word, and the offense is like, got it. So we use, there's one where you'd set up an inside zone run. There's one where you'd set up four verticals, and there's one where you do a bunch formation and run a quick pass out of it. Andrea goes for the quick pass. She starts yelling, bowl, 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 and, and they line up so fast, and you knew that, that Gene – and Jeff had not called a defensive play. Like, you could tell, because the defenders are sitting there looking at each other. Like, the, the tackle, the defensive tackles get in stances because they're like, oh, well, I guess this is what we got. And, but the, the linebackers and the DBs are just looking around at each other. So this is a touchdown if it gets snapped. Whistle, flag, false start. Killed the drive. Just killed it. You're just giving us some new perspective of how terrifying being a coach is and how uh, thin the line is between touchdown and penalty and how thin the yes. line really is between being a good coach or recognized as a great coach and being a bad one. Uh, like yes, you said, and that's, I, that's what we, we were like, wait a second. So we, we, we are geniuses or idiots based on this one thing. And right. it, but that's exactly how we evaluate these guys. It's so easy to sit back and criticize a coach. Why didn't you go for two? 
why did you kick a field goal? Why'd you punt? That's my favorite cowardly punts and, and calling them out on Twitter is mm-hmm. kind of my. Oh, we had a rule that we weren't going to punt, and we did not punt. Yeah, don't. If I were, if I were ever a coach, I don't think I would ever punt in plus territory, regardless of the circumstance. I don't care if it's fourth and twenty-two from the forty. I'm going. We also weren't going to try field goals either. Yeah. But with the the only fourth down we had, we'd been knocked out of field goal range, so we just went for it. But this is actually a pretty interesting spring game to go to um, or, or have a first row seat yeah. for, or you uh, on the field seat, um, because Mackenzie Milton, I think, is probably one of the most interesting transfers, one of the most interesting stories that we have in the sport going up this year. And I saw that one laser that he threw to Malik McLean. Um, his, oh, so you know, beautiful. I mean, think about like everything that man's been through. What was it like, you know, messing around with him, taking play call tips from him, like just being around the guy? Because I think people are, are generally it's impossible not to root for him. Right. Yeah. He's just got this inner confidence. You can tell he he knows what he's doing. And I think he's very grateful for this opportunity because, I mean, there were there was a time when he didn't know if he's going to play again. I mean, when he got hurt, they weren't even sure if he's going to be able to keep the leg. That's the scariest part. I mean, it was a horrific injury. And so the fact that he's at this point, I I think he's just really grateful for it. And you can tell he's having fun with this. And I don't know if he winds up winning the starting job. I think he's going to have to beat out Jordan Travis for that job. And and Travis, is he looked pretty good, pretty in command of the offense as well. And I I would imagine it comes down to one of those two. Chubba Purdy uh, got hurt. Last year, they I think he probably tried to come back a little too soon. He got a complication from that injury. So they just decided to, to have him rehab completely through this spring, and he'll rejoin that competition in the summer. But he's got some ground to make up. So it really looks like it's going to be between Travis and Milton. And I think they will have a much more functional offense this year just because the quarterbacks are going to know what's going on. They've had a real offseason to install it. Uh, Milton just you, you can tell he understands the game so well even though this particular offense is new to him uh, and then Travis really looks comfortable now so I, I think the, the question for them is do they have enough good players to make a difference in the ACC I, I'm not talking about beating Clemson yet I, this is they're, they're, they're a ways off from that but do they have the roster to, to beat North Carolina or Louisville or you know, Wake Forest and, and and those teams. North Carolina and Notre Dame are probably their their toughest non-Clemson, non-Florida games. And their schedule's rough. I mean, the back half of their schedule is really tough, but the front half has North Carolina and Notre Dame in it. So I, I think this is going to be a process for them to get back to where we think they're supposed to be. Because, you know, you look at Florida State, they didn't, I mean, they won the national title seven years ago. Eight years ago, I guess, 2021 now. But they were undefeated and made the playoff seven years ago. They were really cool. They were pumping out first-rounders. So I don't think they're, I don't think they're that far from the front of the minds of big-time recruits, but they need to get a few more in. Yeah, it's funny when you say, you know, do you think you're going to have a more functional offense in Tallahassee, but I'm not sure if they've got the guys to, you know, get it done in the uh, ACC and you start talking and rattling off tank games like North Carolina and, and Wake Forest. And I just like, kind of like put myself in a position where it's just, could you imagine a Florida state fan hearing that sentence in 2013? Like wow, oh, they, they far think it was nuts. Yeah. So, you know, that's the most interesting thing. I think that Norvell um, is clearly a great coach and he had some of the most entertaining teams to watch at Memphis, you know, like there's no doubt about it, but the, the main 
thing here, I guess, to answer that question is, A, how do you get the talent back into that program? And B, what is a rational viewpoint of the direction of this program and how patient do fans have to be because I know reprogramming your brain and and going from Jameis Winston seven or eight years ago to I don't know if they have enough talent to compete in the ACC from week to week is kind of an interesting you know difference so you know in 2021 Norvell's first cycle I don't even know how much you can you know neg the guy for it because it happened during a pandemic and and I know that everybody was in the pandemic but it's his first year and the highest rated player I think in their 2021 class was number 113 and it was uh you know the receiver uh, Destin Hill out of New Orleans 113 is that is that what I said and they yeah. got him late in the process and the second highest rated player in that class was 270 they finished number 23 overall that's not a Florida State class and if you really want to bear the numbers out they got their butts kicked in Florida by Florida uh, and Miami and now turning the page into his first full class during a regular time Florida State has a commitment from five-star cornerback Travis Hunter out of the Atlanta area he's a number four overall player in the country and, and getting a four the number four overall player in the country out of Atlanta, despite the fact that Florida State traditionally has done a pretty good job in South Georgia recruiting, is a pretty major get for Norvell. They also got a five-star athlete, uh, Sam McCall, out of, out of Lankland, Florida, uh, top 30 overall player in the country, and I believe a top six player in, in the state of Florida. So things look like they are turning in the right direction. So, you know, I don't know uh, if that class alone gives Florida State fans an idea of, hey, you know, we just have to, you know, wait a few years and things will be back up and running again in, in Tallahassee uh, or, you know, how impatient you would be if you won a national championship in the last decade. It's such a weird, weird situation, but also, you know, light at the end of the tunnel, because, you know, like we like to say, Florida State has a plan. It's, it, it's not it's not a problem for them to know what they have to do to be successful. We'll be right back after these words. Do you like Formula One but struggle to keep up with everything that's going on? Then we have the podcast for you. Introducing the Race F1 Briefing, the podcast that brings you the latest F1 headlines in 15 minutes or less. With new episodes dropping on all four days of every race event, you'll never miss out on hearing what went down in practice, qualifying or the Grand Prix itself. And we'll also bring you all the behind the scenes news and gossip from the F1 paddock as well. If that sounds like the F1 podcast for you, search The Race F1 Briefing in your podcast app of choice. We'd love to have you join us. You know, you look at how difficult it was for these first-year coaches last year. Uh, So Mike Norvell had the whole team to his house on Friday night. It's the first time he's had the team to his house since he's been the coach at Florida State. He got hired in December of 2019. So that tells you just how long this has been, how weird of a process this has been. You know, the strength coaches only got the the period before spring practice last year to really work with those guys. That this is this is the first time they're really having a chance. And I think that makes you appreciate the jobs that let's say Sam Pittman at Arkansas or Lane Kiffin at Ole Miss or or, uh, or Jeff Halfley at Boston College did as first-year head coaches where they got the, their teams quite a bit better in spite of having to deal with all that stuff. Yeah, you know, and it's just uh, it's funny because I think, you know, maybe I've got an idea for the next episode, but there are programs that ask themselves, okay, what now, right? Right. Uh, what now? 
And Florida State is never going to be in a situation where they have to ask themselves what now or what's next because the plan is is isolated. It's to recruit, you know, what, 30% of the top players in Florida, I think is a fair number. Uh, I don't know, 25%. It's a very competitive state. And I don't envy Norvell, uh, even though he might have had some good practice at Memphis recruiting that city to have to, I mean, I don't know. If there's anything harder to do as a college coach, not name Nick Saban, than recruit the state of Florida. Um, but they have the geography. They have their tradition. Might I say they have the coolest uniforms in college football, maybe? They're at least in the discussion. Is that is that a weird I, thing to I'm say? Those more, helmets are so I'm badass. i USC or Michigan. I, yeah, the helmets Mi- are great. Uh, I'm with I'm with my guy, the, the rapper Tarif Knockout, big Florida State fan. He wants to get back to those 90s white numbers. And and get back to that look. They got a little too fancy on the unis, but I I do think they're pretty nice. I I, I like I like just the those the nineties ones with the big old mesh. <laughs> they, yeah, probably because they were so good when they were playing in them. I think that's that's why I like them so much. But they are they are pretty cool. And and that's the thing. Recruits now still remember when Florida State was cool. It's not a situation like Nebraska or Tennessee where an 18-year-old does not know a time when they were a dominant program. You know, you, if you're 18, Florida State won the national title when you were 10. You remember that. Yeah. No, I, I think remembering, remembering football and what it was when you are early in your life is something that a lot of these kids remember. You know, uh, I mean, we all remember which teams were winning the national championship when we were in middle school and in high school. Like I remember the Tennessee volunteers that won it and were just a, a dominant team. And it's just like these guys, as they start to fall in love with the game, remember that Jameis Winston in Florida state was awesome. So, you know, the brand and the tradition is there and, and maybe this will be a good uh, idea for an episode down the line, but you know, there are programs that have to ask themselves what's next or are they fallen off from a, national championship caliber program or a team that's won national championship in the recent past or the reasonable past. Um, and now we're in a position where you don't know what to do next. And Florida state is certainly not one of them. So if they can continue to recruit at this level, Norvell continues to get his footing and in, in the state of Florida and, and, and back into the, the conversation with some of these five-star athletes within driving distance, I think Florida state has a real chance in that conference to do it. But it is funny when you, when you bring it up because the ACC now, Andy is, a lot better than it was two or three years ago now. Yeah, it is. It, you know, it, it's those other, it's the North Carolinas, the Miamis are better. Uh, we'll see what happens with Virginia Tech, but I, I think Bronco Mendenhall's done a good job at Virginia. So I, I, I agree. I, I think the, the road is harder now than it would have been a couple of years ago to get back in the mix. It absolutely is. It's like funny when you think like, well, are they going to be, who's more talented on the field right now? In in 2021, is North Carolina or Florida State have more pure talent on their team? And it's like that never in the past was a question, and now that's a question. So, you know, as you see other ACC teams trying to make moves, um, Florida State is kind of in that hodgepodge of, you know, having to be good enough to crawl out of a hole and build something. And, you know, there's not a lot of programs that, have been dominant elite level dynasties over the course of multiple decades that find themselves in this position. And, you know, having to go through multiple coaches in order to try to get to this point to try to rebuild what people remember so fondly, because if I'm 33 and I think you're in your early forties, right? Like, so 
yep. all of our childhood memories is just Florida State dominance. They were awesome our entire childhood. So it's like talking about them in this perspective is just kind of a weird thing. But unlike other dynasties that have lost it somewhere along the way, I feel like Florida State's is probably more temporary than other ones that are just seeing a shift in just what football is these days. Yeah, I, I do think that they have an opportunity to get back where they want to be. It, it's just going to take it's not going to it's not going to be overnight. And that's the issue is, is can their fans accept that? Uh, because they have they've seen a lot of success really since the 80s. Now, they had what they call the lost decade, which is the, the early part of this century where the, the offense just kind of couldn't get it done and and they weren't very good and they were losing to Wake Forest at home and that, that sort of thing. But they came back so strong in the early years of the Jimbo Fisher era that you thought, okay, that's never going to happen again. And then, and then something worse happened. And so I, they're going to have to be patient, especially because Florida is pretty good right now, you know, cause they, they've got to figure out how do we, how do you overcome Florida as well as the rest of the ACC? Because and it's also tough I, to I think, have those rivalry games that aren't in your conference too. Like I always yeah. feel for teams oh, no that have question. those extra rivalry games that are non-conference games because even though you could lose to Florida and still win the ACC, what happens on the field every year also goes a it long matters. way in determining how you're yeah. doing in your state in the most important aspect of the sport. So well, it's sort of the, it's, it's like the Jim McElwain thing at Florida. He wins the East his first two years, but is just they're awful against Florida State, and that te- you know that's what the fan base hung on to. That's why they. You know, everybody's like, well, why, why, are, why are Florida fans so upset about winning the East? Well, they're not upset about winning the East. They're upset that you're smoked by Florida State and then smoked by Alabama because they feel like they should be at that level. Right. And I think that's where Florida State is now where, you know, Florida fans want to be at that level and they're getting close to it. Now Florida State fans want to get back to that level. The question now is, you know, because for a while there, two or even – three of Florida, Florida State, Miami could do that simultaneously. Is that possible now, or is it only going to be one at a time? It's not possible anymore because Alabama is just raiding the talent in the state. If you took Alabama's dominance in the state of Florida out of the equation, I think it's possible that at least two of them are national championship contenders at the same time. But off the top of my head, what did Alabama sign? Like five of the top 15 players in the state of Florida last year? It's like they are completely kicking out the legs from underneath them. And like Florida state, I think I'm just talking from pure memory here. So don't quote me on this and don't tweet at me and tell me I'm an idiot for not remembering the number, but I think anyways, Florida state only signed one or two players in the top 50 in Florida last year. And like Miami got like eight or nine and Florida got like, like seven or eight. So like they were a distant third when it came to, um, results in their own state. And part of the reason why is because six of the top 15 players or something like that were already off the board with Alabama. So you have Florida, Florida state and Miami all kind of, you know, working with the second tier in a lot of cases. And it's funny because Florida state's best signee in the 2021 class from new Orleans. And that was a guy that should have gone to LSU. So, you know, it's just funny to me to think that, you know, step one is maintaining yourself and, a competitive nature in your own state from a recruiting standpoint, and then going from there. Now, you know, you're Mr. Florida and you know more about the ins and outs and the highways and how easy it is to get to these places. But I don't know if you like ranked Florida jobs one through three, like which one has the most advantageous geography and which one has the worst. I think it would go Miami one, Florida two and Florida state three, right? 
Probably, yeah, because Tallahassee's not that easy to get to. And yeah, if you're from South Florida, you have to go through Gainesville to get to Tallahassee. Too, if you're from Orlando or Tampa. So that that is a problem for them. But the, they also do get into South Georgia quite a bit. And, uh, you know, they're closer to Atlanta than, than Miami, obviously. They're, they're about the same distance from Atlanta as, as Florida uh, if you're driving. So it's it's a tough job. It's And, and the thing is, you know, people always assume any one of those jobs that, oh, they, they just recruit themselves. No, they do not. It is a, a fight the second you get in there to get people away from the other Florida schools and also to keep Alabama, Georgia, Auburn, all of those schools from just raiding you. Clemson also. Yeah, you know, and it's just like interesting because, and maybe this would be a good series too, but how national recruiting is now making things harder for blue bloods who became blue bloods due to geography. Now that kids are leaving states so much easier than they used to. And now you have Alabama simultaneously ruining three conferences all by themselves. They're, they're raiding Texas, they're raiding Florida, and they're also out in California. And it's just like an, a, a pretty tough thing to overcome when you have a dominant, because like what, how far away is Tuscaloosa from Tallahassee? It's not that far, right? So like it's no, Probably a five-hour drive. Yeah, so you're kind of in the same general vicinity of, of the country and Florida State people who uh, used to go and get kids without much effort now have resistance from Alabama every single time they want to try to get back into the top 30 uh, na- national players. So, you know, things have, thing, things have changed. Recruiting uh, has changed from a geographical standpoint. Footprints have changed. And I think as a result of it, you're going to start seeing uh, – a lot of fluctuation from the blue bloods uh, that we're starting to see in Florida state isn't unique in that. Yeah. Well, we have to, we have to shift gears a little bit, Ari, because uh, you, you made a big announcement shortly after we finished recording last week's show. And I, I'm one of the olds. I, I'm only good at one social media platform at a time. So I, I had been on Twitter. I of course follow you on Twitter, but I don't check Instagram as much as, as the youngs do. So it was a few days later that I'm scrolling through Instagram and I see an Ari Wasserman post and it looks pretty similar. I'm like, oh, that's Ari and his fiance. This is this another engagement post? Because it kind of looks like an engagement post. And then I read the words in the balloons and they what say the, baby. The, yeah, baby. It said baby. It's you're, a baby. You're, you're, you're going to be responsible for another human? For a <laughs> I know, tiny it's human? crazy. I can't wait to download all of my messed up takes into this little child's brain. All the things that make I people can't punch wait their steering wheels. until she gets wheels. to the roller grill at, at 7-Eleven yeah. for the first time. That's so, going to be amazing. Yeah. It is a girl. Um, so that's big. And, uh, you know, I think I just have to make sure that I protect the, the little angel from all the things that have gotten in my way and caused me issues in, in my life. And I think the roller food thing is part of it. So... Um, knowing the person I'm marrying being somebody who is very health conscious, I don't see my ability to download all my messed up thoughts about pizza and gas station snacks and roller hot dogs, uh, onto this poor girl. And of course we want her to be healthy and and put in good food in her body. And you know, that's that, but you know, I, I just, like I said, uh, to you before this, most people have a natural progression in their life. Most people, you know, meet the love of their life in college or shortly after or in their mid-20s, date for a few years, get engaged, have a wedding, buy property, and then have a baby. 
And we kind of just did everything all at once. So I met her two years ago when I was 31, been dating ever since. Uh, I recently moved to Texas once we got the ability to recover recruiting and college football nationally at the athletic from Columbus, Ohio. And then once I was here and now that we're 33 and 34 years old, we're adults. It was just like, okay, go time. So in the span of a month, I've in proposed, I've sold a house. I've bought a house. Um, I am planning a wedding and now announced a pregnancy. And I got to tell you, my head's about to explode in the most beautiful way possible. And I'm also completely You have hit broke. for the grown-up Grand Slam right yeah. there. That is the grown-up and Grand Slam. Yeah, I spaced that process out quite a bit now that I think about it. So my wife and I got engaged after three months because we're insane. But we did go – we had an 11-month-long engagement, so we didn't get married right away. But we were married for – let's see. We were married for six years before we bought a house. We were in apartments before that. We were – married for eight years before we had a child. <laughs> so we, we, we were very slow in that process. And I guess, I guess we'd been married for 16 years before we sold a house. Yeah. Um, so everybody that I, all my close friends are, are laughing at me saying you've, you've kind of whittled down 10 years worth of personal milestones into a very short amount of time. And I did, but like you, Andy, uh, very shortly into my relationship with the uh, future Mrs. Wasserman. I knew that this was going to be a lifelong thing and, you know, as scary as a lot of the stuff is to kind of wrap your brain around because seven or eight months ago, I was just laying on a couch with my shirt off watching college football with Dorito dust in my cleavage. And now like I have to be an adult that keeps a baby alive. Also making mortgage so you, payments. Okay. And, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to make your day here. You can still do that when that baby's very young. Because yeah. infants take naps. Infants take lots of naps. Now, your sleep schedule will be irregular because you'll be getting up with her at all hours of the night. But she'll take regular naps. There will be time for Dorito dust in your cleavage. It's, yeah. it's going to be okay. And I don't know if this is like the natural uh, progression of like future fatherhood, um, but I'm still trying to wrap my mind around the financial implications of a lot of these things. Even more so than thinking, am I going to be really tired? Because the due date is actually, I think, coinciding with the first weekend of college football, which is another issue we can talk on another episode. But like oh, now I'm also, tired. let me ask you a blunt question, and I need to know the answer to this and be completely honest with me. And I guess our technology might have changed and things aren't the same um, completely. But how much did you pay for your first stroller? So we got our stroller at the baby shower. And I think it was one of those that several people teamed up on to give us. We got we got a Chico travel system one, which has the kind of the basket that clicks into the stroller, and then that also becomes the car seat for the infant. And I believe that one at the time was in the three to four hundred dollar range. I know there are ones now that are like thirteen hundred dollars. And I was I was going through them earlier today because I, I knew we were going to talk about this, and they look sweet. I got to tell you, you look pretty badass pushing that thing around. Okay, listen. We went to a baby store for the first time just to kind of, and and Brittany being a woman uh, knows more about this stuff than I do because she's been envisioning this for her life for a, for quite some time now. But we go into the store and I'm looking at these strollers and I'm like playing around with them. And I look down at the price tag, 800 bucks. I look at the next one, $1,300. The next one's $1,100. And I'm looking at myself and I said, and I looked at her and I said, listen, lady, we're not paying $1,000 for a stroller. And uh, we and got. She into said, a little "Oh bit of yes, her. we are." <laughs> and now we are. I'm the boss. So, 
So a little background on her. Uh, if you haven't seen the picture, she's a very small person um, checking in at 411. Uh, so very, very short. And I think that I'm okay with the idea of buying appliances that help make her life easier in the in the times where she's alone with the baby and I'm not around for whatever reason. Well, like, let me pick, let me let me back so, you up there. No, but like I'm not okay, buying me, the me, Gucci of strollers because it's is, it's a nice you're stroller. You're not buying anything. She got but, a job too. I know, but you're buying not, this together and you're not letting her do anything. When she says, "Ari, we're getting this stroller." That's the stroller you're getting. I know. You need to understand I haven't been able how to, this is going to work. I understand. I don't think I've ever won a single argument with her about anything ever. So um, I think that the the writings on the, the wall bugga, here. The Bugaboo Fox Complete Stroller. This is the one. So, oh, this one, it, it's only 11.49 on Amazon right now. Oh, This huge, thing looks huge. so freaking cool. Like, is this I, what if we I get excited about? Thing around, well, yeah. The only thing this I care awesome. about is ease. So if something costs more money that would make her life easier, I can understand that. If there's something that clicks in from the seat to the back seat of the car and becomes a car seat, that makes sense. I don't want to buy a designer brand one because it's a designer brand. Does that make sense? I understand. I understand. Especially for something that's going to be outdated in six months. You don't get a choice. <laughs> you do not get a choice. The sooner you accept that, the, the better your life will be. Because I will admit, though, that I didn't she's know. She's doing the real work here. Let's be honest. She is. I know. She's a she's a wonderful person and, you know, putting her body through everything right now to make this possible. And, you know, as we get closer to that, I'm sure that everything that I say will be yes. But I went into this knowing that having a baby is certainly a uh, financial investment for various reasons. But I also came into a completely blind to how grossly expensive baby accessories are. So like I'm yes. still trying and I had uh Xander sh- uh, uh to win the masters at 22 to one. And when he hit the ball mm-hmm. into the pond and I was thinking, there goes my stroller right into the pond. Well, listen, don't stake your baby's future on a bet because well, first of all, we're we're into now just regular season baseball for a long long time. No, so and regular ride, season basketball. I, I need a winner. Like some, we're in degenerate territory right now. You somebody needs to send me a winner. I, I can't tell you how bad I need a winner. Uh, but yeah, like 40, we, 22 to one, the guy the guy gave Matsuyama a run for his money, and God, it got it got exciting there on the sixteen, and then it all fell apart. So now I got to figure out a way to to fund the stroller. Uh, but you know. There's a lot to talk about here. It's not just the financial um, situation, but also like how we're going to feed this baby, uh, whether or not a nanny would be necessary because she's a full-time worker who has a really important job that flies all over the country. And you of work course, from I, home. I work from home. You so can watch the baby. I know, but I also was hoping to get out to games and you know travel and kind of open up my world to a little bit more to the college because I've never been to an SEC football game. So oh, there's we, a lot we gotta, of we do have to fix that. So we'll, yeah, we'll, we'll we'll get you nannied up. But did you get a nanny? Importantly, no. Um, now we live where we live because my wife's family is here, and so one of my wife's sisters was a stay-at-home mom at the time. She helped out a couple days a week, which allowed me to travel a little bit, and and so we worked it out that way. But. Yeah, it was it was a little bit tough with uh with two two working parents. I know you're listening to this, Dad. I think you need to move from Phoenix out to to Dallas. We need we need your help. 
<laughs> yeah, people people ask, oh, they're like, oh, you live in Gainesville, Florida, because you love the Gators. Not, not that's not really it. It's because I love my wife's family, and they're right here, <laughs> and they're yeah. very, very, very helpful, cool, and they help out a lot. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, it's it it's very nice. But that's that's the thing. I mean, it's all this stuff. You're going to be fine. And here's the deal: you're never. You, you'll, when, when it happens, when you see her for the first time, you will understand. And you won't understand till then. But you will, you've never loved anything as much as you'll love this. So when you see her for the first time, you will understand why everybody feels this way and why people who have kids look at the people who don't and are like, you just don't get it. You, it, it totally changes your perspective on everything in the world. And so... I, I'm I'm fascinated to see how it changes your takes because yeah, it's not going to your twisted my mind fascinates me, and I guarantee being a dad will change the way you feel about a lot of stuff. Well, here's one thing that's not going to change, and I guarantee it now. But when you and I got into uh, almost a fist fight over the quality of Little Caesars pizza, you said that's going to change when I have children. I promise yeah, you, it's well. not. Oh, she's okay. So your wife's going to be on one of those trips. One of those work trips, you're going to be alone with, with the kid, possibly the kids at this point. I, we'll, we'll see how many you wind up having. And you're going to be like, crap, I didn't go to the grocery store. I don't have time to go to the grocery store. I'm not dragging two little kids in the grocery store. What, what am I going to do? How am I going to feed them? And then you'll see it. Hot and ready, $5. Hot and, more importantly, ready. And you, know, you will become a Little Caesars believer. Oh, I think I'd probably just order Domino's in the car and then have it delivered on the way home. Have you ever done that? I mean, before? if you want to cheat, order pizza uh, before you're home so it arrives at the same time that you do. I've done that. I've <laughs> got a, a sweet little app, you know. Well, pull up the a- app. Actually, that is st- well, let me let, let me give you the Domino. The Domino. You haven't done this in a while. You don't even have to do that. You can order from the app, and they'll bring it to your car in the parking lot of the Domino's. And then yeah, you just see, it doesn't have to be ready in the moment. I would, I'm not going to feed my daughter Little Caesars. That's a guarantee. Yes, you it, are. It's going to happen. I, I, and I, I am this, going to, I am going lo- to celebrate that day. I love this little girl already with all of my heart. And you're telling me I'm going to feed it that I hate myself and I won't even eat it. <laughs> oh it's, man. It's, it's going to happen. Just you wait. We'll be right back after this message from one of our lovely sponsors. We do have a random ranking that we need to to do. This is an exciting one because this is one that that you will I think your tastes on this will evolve and and you'll you'll be you'll keep more abreast of the technology of of this stuff as you go as your kids get older, because that's that's what I've had to do. I've learned a lot about this this product space as my my kids have gotten older. So you suggest this one. I think it's a great one. This is best snacks in the freezer section of your grocery store. So not desserts, but snacks that you either put in the microwave or in the oven to reheat and then just pound. So Ari, what is your number five snack out of the uh, the freezer section? As I sit here on this podcast and arrogantly look at you and say, I'm never going to feed my daughter crap, we transition directly into 
crap. Crap. <laughs> yes. So, you know, I got to do my best to shield her as much as I can because this this is the dark side of Ari. And uh, this cost me dearly in my life, and I hope it doesn't for her. But my number five is the super pretzel stuffed um cheddar cheese pretzels have you ever had there they're like pretzel bites but they're filled with cheese i've had super pretzels but i've never had them stuffed with cheese that sounds amazing yeah you toss them in the microwave for a minute and a half and uh they are absolutely delicious and i'm the type of person that loves wetzel's pretzels and auntie ann's i love Mm -hmm. a really good warm pretzel and i think that the super super pretzels are the worst pretzel that you could possibly get hot pretzel wise but these snacks are super good so um and they got me through a lot of uh pinches when it came to food and uh needing something quick and being in the grocery store and they're a great snack and i don't know if i could live my life without them i guess i have to start trying now huh i i think you can make it i i I, and look your kids are gonna want stuff like this this is this is gonna happen they'll go to a friend's house and be like i had super pretzels with stuff with stuff with cheese can we get those dad and it's trust me it's gonna happen yeah so my my number five is hebrew national pigs in a blanket those things just Pop them in the oven. They, they just come out perfect. And pigs in a blanket sometimes don't. You, sometimes the meat's a little rubbery. And the, these just, the texture's right. The, the dough to, to dog ratio's right. It's just good. I love the uh, pigs in a blanket uh, that you make with crescent rolls. Have you ever done that? Where you get the oh, crescent that's, rolls? That's tremendous. Now, that's a lot of then, work. But, yeah. Oh, it's, well, it's unbelievable. That said, my number four is Hebrew National uh, pigs in a blanket so we're we're on the same page here. I, I, I think th- there's a chance that we might be the same all the way through here if we're thinking the same way my my number four is gorton's fish sticks i love fish sticks now i am not a tartar sauce dipper i'm a ketchup dipper uh but my son also loves them so when he wants them i make extras and i eat the the leftovers my number three is also fish sticks yes. uh well i'm i'm one spot ahead of you i think but i love fish sticks and the thing that i've done before because i'm a glutton is i'll put the fish sticks on a bun with a slice of american cheese and of course tartar sauce Wait, you're creating your own filet of fish yeah i mean it's not nearly as good as the filet of fish but if i have a, a potato bun and a slice of uh american cheese toss that in with uh take it for a swim and some tartar sauce you got yourself a a hell of a nice little sandwich at home and i have actually been a psychopath enough to put fish sticks in the microwave because I put everything in the microwave, but they are much, much better in the oven. I was going to say, that sounds awful out of the microwave. All right, my number three is the giant box of frozen fried shrimp from whichever wholesale club you prefer. Uh, these these cook up really well. You can try to fry your own shrimp, but it's not worth it. Just get the big old box, heat them up, get some buffalo. My kids love buffalo shrimp anyway. So get, get some buffalo sauce, throw that in a little ramekin, you're gold. I've never had the the deep fried fish uh, or, or shrimp that you just said, but I love any seafood that's been fried. I really, really like clam strips too. And I think I got that from my father. He loves clam strips um, and tartar and cocktail sauce. And, you know, finding clam strips is pretty hard. Uh, fried fish is also very, or fried shrimp is very underrated. And I think it's really hard to find a really good po' boy. And I don't know if that'll be easier well, yeah. now in Dallas. You got to go to New Orleans for that. But yeah. I don't know that I'd be using my frozen fried shrimp in a po' boy. I, I want that coming out of a, a professional deep fryer. But so what, what is what is your number two, Ari? <laughs> don't hate on homemade fish stick sandwiches, okay? Because the same thing can happen with your deep fried shrimp. Uh, my the, number the, two. The poor man's filet of fish. <laughs> yeah, the poor man filet of fish. 
Um, pizza rolls, uh, Totino's pizza rolls. They are uh, the greatest thing that's been ever uh, invented for a Super Bowl party or to eat in shame by yourself. You want to know why your- they're not on my list, Ari? You I never don't. get the temperature right. It's it's sort of like the the my number two actually kind of feeds into this. My number two is the pepperoni pizza hot pocket, which you you know you put in that sleeve. Which also is never temperature. Correct. But 80% of it is the right temperature. 10% of it is frozen and 10% of it is molten, but the other 80% is perfect. The Totino's pizza roll, since they're only one bite each or two bites each, you're getting a nasty bite every time. That's out not of each true. One. That's just not true. That's that's completely and utterly false. You put them in the oven they're, or the microwave, they're 100%. The fact that there's less volume to heat up makes it less likely that you're going to take a bite of frozen. I almost chipped my tooth on a Hot Pocket once because it was still frozen inside. <laughs> um, pizza rolls over. I like Hot Pockets. They didn't make my list. I like them. But the fact that they're too inconsistent in what you take a bite out of is the reason they didn't make my list. Pizza rolls are number two because they're always consistent. I don't know what you've been doing, but you got to give it another shot. Maybe I do them wrong. I, I don't know, but I, I've it's just awesome. always had that experience where half of them are frozen, half of them are molten. It just it never. I never can get the right ones. So, all right, what is your number one? Your number two was oh, hot pockets. My number one is bagel bites. You better have them up there. If, you, if this isn't on your list, then we're like. I don't They're know not on say. my list. It's uh, you know, oh my god! I've eaten bagel bites at other people's houses. It's never something that that we've had, and like I, I I like them, but they're not. They're just not in my my top five. So you don't have a single pizza one on your? Oh, I guess pizza hot pockets. I have a pizza hot pocket. No, my I my guess. number one's awesome. My number one's actually a fairly recent discovery. So Sam's Club has bacon wrapped tenderloin bites in the freezer. And you throw those in the oven, they make the whole house smell amazing, and they taste great. They also, they also have uh, shrimp and pepper jack ones, too, but the, the bacon-wrapped tenderloin is it, it, just mm, chef's kiss every time. Leave it to you to find steak in the frozen aisle. How, how on I, brand I, is I'm that? I'm classy like that, Ari. <laughs> yeah. I'm classy like that. Yeah, my favorite frozen snack is bacon wrapped scallops with caviar on it like come on this is like (laughs) supposed to be like you're in target it's three o'clock in the afternoon you don't know what you're doing for dinner you're hungry you want it to be easy it's it's sam's club oh man it's not like it's not like like i'm getting it from the laundry how much is it a box uh it is uh it's ten dollars a box yeah anything that's like double digits in the frozen section, you're already in a different. I think everything but on it's my Sam's list. Sam's Club, it's in bulk. But but everything on my list is like three dollars a bag. Listen, <laughs> don't get mad to- at me because I'm classy. Listen, after having gone through uh, and still kind of going through the process of buying a home and the literal hell that the mortgage companies lenders put you through in terms of forking over your financial statements. Uh, I think $3 uh, frozen food aisle is going to be a pretty important part of my diet moving forward because that was so intrusive. Uh, I, I don't know what it was like when you bought your house, but like they it's know exactly the same. They ask you so many personal questions. Why is this? Where did this money go? Somebody uh, asked I, me, there's a big chunk of money missing from your checking account because they want statements for the last six months. And I said, I bought an engagement ring. Is that okay? Like I wrote, I wrote back in the email. Is that okay? 
Like I have got to ask permission. Like, can we afford the house or not? Here's the cash on hand. Here's our salaries. You know, how hard is this? You don't need to look at my transaction history. I mean, all they're going to see is a bunch of Burger King transactions. What, what, what's in there? <laughs> Do we have the money or they're not? not gonna, Let's go. They're not going to see them anymore, Ari. They're not. No, you, those think, have you think your diet's going to be $3 boxes of bagel bites. It's not. You got that kid coming. Your wife's going to whip you into shape. We understand yep. that. I've, I've been there. We've all been there. But trust me, when the kid gets older, she's going to bring you back to the bagel bites. Oh, good. What an angel. <laughs> That's how you're going to bond. It's not and the, the whole first point time of having she kids. That, the first time she meets that roller grill, it's going to be magic. I think I got to protect her from the roller grill. There's, there's, uh, there's only so far that you can go. Okay. You know, and Caesar, little Caesar's pizza and, uh, roller food, hot dogs or roller food, taquitos or roller food, chicken parm <laughs> bites or whatever it is that I've put in my body over the years. Let's just hope that she doesn't have that until she's hammered in college. And, you know, that's the only thing that you can eat. Let, let that's me put warm it this way. at 2.30 in the none morning. None of the nevers you say before you have kids ever, you, you never live up to them. You will I'm, never I'm, live up to them. And I'm, I'm giving you a never, but my never is going to be correct. You will do all the things you say you won't. The Caesars so, thing is out. I'm sorry. It ain't happening. It's Maybe happening. everything else, but that's Un, not. Unborn washerman child, you know how to find me. As soon as you take that first delicious bite of a hot and ready, I want to know about it. Yeah. We'll talk to you Wednesday. <laughs>